Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 85. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today.
Cool. I'm going to get one today. My Warren Kremer book and my TTV scrapbook are finally being worked on again after being on the shelf for the past few months due to the pandemic. I'm still working on my Madden Disney books and back issue articles on Sid and Marty Croft and Patty Freeling, and I will also be doing an article for them soon on Popeye. As far as my other books, they're all available through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and mostly through BearManorMedia.com. Our guest today is an artist who worked for Crack Magazine and also worked for a time inking for Don Martin. He currently has a Kickstarter for his second collection of comic panels that were personally selected by me. The book is called Just North of Sane, and it can be found at uh, https colon slash slash kickstarter.com slash projects slash cyberwit slash just north of sane. <laughs> Here he is, Bruce Bollinger. Now for this episode we're doing something a bit different as Bruce has difficulty in speaking for long periods of time. So I had Bruce write out his answers and they'll be read by his grandson August. This episode is also short and sweet lasting about 20 minutes but it's really a request for your pledge for his Kickstarter and is a shameless promotion. Again the URL is https colon slash slash kickstarter.com slash project slash cyberwit slash just north of sane and on the just north of sane if you put hyphens between each word so the person reading my answers is one of my amazing grandkids august is the project coordinator for the kickstarter fundraising project and he's securing pledges to produce my second book collection of cartoons he doubles as my agent screening the street people that show up at the studio and he's finishing up college at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So the first book that I made was in black and white, and it was produced years ago. This upcoming one is in color, and Mark spent hours looking through the hundreds of cartoons I sent him, and he pulled 100 of the best for the book. I really appreciated him applying his editorial and authorship superpowers to help this old artist. All right. So uh, tell me about yourself and how you got into cartooning. So I've always wanted to be an artist beginning back in grade school. It began early, but the gene that makes you put pen and brush can be traced back in my family at least three generations. So I had very little choice. I used to get in constant trouble in the grades for drawing in the test margins and scratching out the test questions so I had more white space. And I remember more than once the teacher holding up some goofy drawings and saying, someone is wasting time and thinks these scribbles are amusing, Bruce. Well, the class laughed at the material, so what could I say? My first commercial job was for the shop teacher who designed a tent that folded out of a car carrier. I don't remember the amount of the check, but I did get an A in shop, so what the heck. I took all the art I could in high school and then moved to Los Angeles after graduation to a four-year art college. Uh, but the Vietnam War interrupted my career about then with a two-year invite to Uncle Sam's service and a chance to learn how to kill people. But what's strange is that my colonel found out I was an artist and had me designing charts and scrapbooks for his daughter. So the artwork kept me out of the trenches, and that's probably why we lost the war. <laughs> After marriage and graduation, we moved east to D.C. for my first real job, and it was a publishing company, and I was one of the illustrators showing up in print. 
Seven years later came a move and a chance to try freelancing from some acreage we purchased in PA. Very cool. Um, I was curious. I know you uh, also work for uh, mad legend Don Martin. What was it like working for Don Martin? Well, at age 45, I veered into cartooning, hoping to do it full time. And I did multitudes of illustrations and cartoons. And in a stroke of luck, years down the road, I had the opportunity to try as uh, Don Martin's inker. And he ran a nationwide contest, singling me out as his choice to ink his pencil originals. At that time, about 1989 or so, he had left Mad Magazine after disputing ownership over the years of work he had produced there. And then he moved to Crack Magazine. Uh, and that was where he was able to control his own works. I inked his cracked works for about three years until the severe eye problems he was having cleared enough to resume his own work. Uh, he pushed me to interview with Cracked. I did, and they used me on a monthly basis, and I was in as one of the regulars. I contributed artwork for uh, about two more years until the magazine began to fail. It was great working with Don. We talked on the phone. And he didn't talk much, though. He was a quiet man, deep in his work, uh, so we worked mostly via fax. He would send oversized copies of his works. I would transfer the line work to boards and ink the finals. Sometimes I would use a vellum overlay and ink on that. And we would always make deadlines. He was very easy to work with. If he wanted a certain look or angle, he would make uh, copious notes on the faxes. Hmm. I only had a couple minor changes that I ever had to make over the three years. And his wife, Norma, was the studio boss and business manager. And she maintained everything, ran a tight ship, took no prisoners. She controlled the artwork, taking care and keeping it close to home. And I don't even think she sold anything until after his death in 91. And she railed against Mad Magazine's owner at every chance because of their treatment of him. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you already touched on it, but um, uh, what was it like working for Cracked back then? Uh, Andy Simmons and Lou Silverstone were the two editors in senior positions. They oversaw the entire rowdy stable of fools. <laughs> they handed out assignments, did editorial duties, controlled deadlines, mailed out checks. Uh, they were both gracious to work for, even-tempered and easy to work with, which is great, you know. Uh, they also oversaw the reproduction process, making certain that the raw artwork got to camera, and Andy is currently with Reader's Digest as a senior humor editor. I think that's his title. Uh, Andy wrote that the foreword to my first collection, sorry, Andy actually wrote the foreword to my first collection of cartoons way back when. A funny guy, but I never let him know that. <laughs> I would do the cartoon work in pencil on boards, ink those boards, apply the typeset wording and balloons, and then send the actual boards in through the mail, hoping and praying that they got there. Sometime later, often weeks, the boards returned, and I only ever lost one set. I probably got snatched by someone from Mad, diverted <laughs> from the sellers of Cracked. I really enjoyed my time with the Cracked crew. The time spent on the pages and pages of art I churned out was fulfilling. The art provided some, something of a record for history, and the printed pages in the magazine made me a footnote in their history. I even used to get fan mail. But now the mail is all bills and doctor appointment reminders. <laughs> I sold some of the returned artwork and divided the remainder between my two children, and I still see some of it circulated on the web for sale. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so is there anything else we should know about you, like uh, 
How are you handling this pandemic we're in? Well, COVID is my co-pilot. It's ready to jump into the captain's chair if you turn your head the wrong way. And the pandemic certainly turned the world around in a horrible way. It's like a bad science fiction movie where the virus comes in through the drains and eats your brains. Well, I'm safe, at least. This brain was eaten long ago. <laughs> What's left sits quietly around the house with my wife, just waiting for the next meal with cold beer. We've been retired for years, enjoying life in the country, quarantining and masking as required, farting into the same cushion for 20 years. <laughs> We're saving for new furniture or whatever. Did I mention cold beer? <laughs> I do have enough hobbies to keep me sedated, though. <clears throat> Woodworking is the main one. I have a lifetime of wood available and create crafts like the ones you see in artisan shows. I turn bowls, build furniture, create small and unique items for the local craft shows. I've contributed material to summer fairs, local stores, and had a few items in a nearby gallery. eBay was the outlet for most of the works, and my relatives are starting to burn all the excess crafts. Uh, no one can use 400 walnut salad bowls, I guess. <laughs> I'm nearing my 80th year, which wow. is amazing, and I continue to draw every day. What's weird is I volunteered to do an illustrated article for the Cracked fan page some of you are familiar with. The subject is Sylvester running for president. I haven't done a Cracked page for 20 years, so it's like sliding into an old pair of someone else's grease-stiffened levis. <laughs> They're a bit stiff and wonky, but somehow familiar. The article is shaping up, though, and you'll see it shortly on the fan page soon. I may be the only artist from the magazine who's creating new art for Cracked, or for the ghost of Cracked. <laughs> I also draw and write greeting cards for Greeting Card Universe and a couple other distributors, and it's great entertainment. I have a couple thousand of cards online, actually. In the process of creating pen and ink originals on the drawing board and then digitalizing the line art for computer coloring leaves me with a stack of original cartoons. And... Those black and white originals will be sold online eventually. Uh, what bothers me greatly, though, is the continuing loss of original artworks from other artists. You know, once the art is created in the computer, it's no longer considered original. Uh, but anything generated from a computer is, is definitely not original, I think. Uh, so be aware when you buy artwork, originals are becoming a, a bit rare. Hmm. Good advice. Um... So the whole purpose of today's show is you have a Kickstarter for a new collection of cartoons. So tell me about the new Kickstarter and go into great length because this is your time to pitch and make sure to mention the deadline. Right, right. Um, so I've begun a Kickstarter project with August at the helm in hopes of raising enough money to produce a full-color, perfect-bound book of 100 cartoons. I did produce a black-and-white collection a few years back, uh, still seen on Amazon but unavailable. Uh, if we raise enough money, this current Kickstarter project offers a copy or copies of the book to the person pledging, and it also will include a name in that signed copy. Other incentives are various levels of my original art inkings, some matted, some colored, in various sizes, depending on the pledge. If we're successful, the book will also appear on Amazon, where we will obtain an ISBN number. The price is about 19 or $20. Uh, with the Canadian border closed to Americans, I don't know what the Canadians would charge. Eh? Uh, but we're about halfway along in the funding. $4,000 of the goal of 8000 so we, we're definitely close. And printing color is expensive. But uh, 
We, we are halfway through our time limit with the project ending on September 6th. Mark has been gracious enough to allow time on his blog, and we've done one other blog relating to cartooning. As the man who has helped so much choosing the cartoons for the book and writing the foreword, Mark has become my hero, oh. along with Wiley Coyote and Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah, and two more, uh, Ben and Jerry. <laughs> but we've done one update for the people pledging, and we'll issue another one shortly. And I'm sure I'll give another plug to Mark in his creative kingdom. And you can find the Kickstarter online by going to my website or searching the Kickstarter site for just north of Sane. Uh, Mark could also put you in touch with me if you need more information, and he could supply my business email if needed. Anyway, please remember the deadline of September 6th is rapidly approaching. I have a knee-high pile of originals to give away. Thank you for having us on. It's greatly appreciated. Well, thank you. And, yes, I will continue to uh, plug the Kickstarter as long as I can. And uh, it's uh, very good to speak with you, Augie, and about your grandfather, Bruce. <laughs> hey, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. All right. I will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Mark. Take mm -hmm. care. You too. Bye. Bye. Twenty twenty was the first time kids asked, but why? And we didn't have an answer. As the world scrambled to fight COVID nineteen, the mental health of our youngest generation has been overlooked. Wanting to change this, we have created Monster Dance, the first multimedia picture book for children about life in the time of the pandemic, and give families the opportunity to provide an uplifting tale for the little ones in their lives. For this, we've assembled the mightiest of teams. Beloved illustrator Guy Gilchrist, author and Madeline Editions founder Eva Liu, physician and co-founder of Donate PPE, Dr. Karen Tsai, an acclaimed actor, and on this occasion, your narrator, Dennis O'Hare. Monster Dance follows Maurice, an endearingly melodramatic dog, and Charlie, an artistic little girl, as they grapple with a world that's suddenly gone topsy-turvy. Available through Kickstarter as both a hard copy book and an enhanced e-book, Monster Dance is helping children better understand and overcome their coronavirus fears. Thanks to your support and pledges, we will be donating copies of the book and PPE masks to hospitals around the world. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Bruce Bollinger and August, for being my special guest. Episode number 86 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors at the price I'm paying.
don't fall back. Don't fall back. 